Good morning. President Joe Biden makes a surprise visit to Ukraine. The United States warns China not to help Russia with arms. And a D.C. rally unites the left and right against the war. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Tuesday morning, February 21st, 2023. President Joe Biden rode the rails into Ukraine. The president's trip on a high-security railroad from Poland took nine hours and months to prepare. Many Western leaders had already visited the war-torn country. This was the first visit by the American president since the war began a year ago. It comes after Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky's visit to Washington, where he addressed a joint session of Congress. Biden repeated the United States and NATO remains committed to helping the country in its war with Russia. Mr. President, I'm delighted to be able to repay your visit to our country. In Washington, not long ago, you told us, you told the Congress, quote, we have no fear, nor should anyone in the world have it, end of quote. You and all Ukrainians, Mr. President, remind the world every single day what the meaning of the word courage is. But former President Donald Trump joined Republicans in blasting Biden for visiting Ukraine, but not the site of the disastrous train wreck in Ohio. Well, over the last two years, the destruction that they've done in two years, nobody's ever seen anything like it. And even now, you have a president going to Ukraine, and you have people in Ohio that are in desperate need of help. In more Ukraine war news, U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris stated at a Munich security conference on Friday, Russia committed crimes against humanity in what she calls its unprovoked war against Ukraine. Long before I was vice president of the United States, I spent the majority of my career as a prosecutor beginning as a young lawyer in the courtroom and later running the California Department of Justice. I know firsthand the importance of gathering facts and holding them up against the law. In the case of Russia's actions in Ukraine, we have examined the evidence. We know the legal standards. And there is no doubt these are crimes against humanity. Secretary of State Blinken, who is also attending the conference, said in a statement, we reserve crimes against humanity determinations for the most egregious crimes. Meanwhile, China's foreign minister Wang Yi announced at the conference that Beijing will present a peace initiative to end the war in Ukraine. Wang was quoted as saying, we will stand firm on the side of peace and dialogue. Over the weekend, Secretary of State Antony Blinken accused China of planning to send lethal assistance to Russia's military. But at a meeting in Brussels, European Union foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell said China has promised it won't send the weapons. He told me that they are not going to do it that they don't plan to do it, but we will remain vigilant. The warnings come after the drama of an errant Chinese-launched surveillance balloon being shot down after crossing the United States, and then the shoot-down of several other unidentified objects. That's turned up the heat as the war enters its second year. 
but retired Command Chief Master Sergeant Dennis Fritz, who worked on North American air defense, tells the news, while war with China is only a remote possibility, the tough talk is alarming. We always are talking in, with rhetoric, and, and Paul, part of that rhetoric is for domestic audiences to, uh, to keep the American people in support of our foreign policy. But let me just first mention about the balloons. You know, if, if you remember from my bio, uh, I was the uh, senior advisor uh, to General Myers when we were out in NORAD. And also, I'm double-fold there. I happened to be the senior advisor when I was out in the Indo-Pacific at Hickam in Hawaii. So I spent about two years in Hawaii traveling throughout the Pacific. And, uh, and, and one of the things I will tell you, first, let's, let's talk about the balloon first. Uh, I can guarantee you that uh, we knew that balloon was up and where it was at all times based on my time of being in NORAD. The other part of that is that we knew it, but just for domestic politics, we probably wouldn't have reacted so harshly and, you know, shooting it down if it wasn't for domestic hawkish politics here uh, in the United States. Those balloons have been going around um, for ages and uh, we didn't see it, no threat. We were following it. But then once you get somebody has seen it, you know, somebody saw it with the naked eye. You know, I had been seeing it of all places. I had been seeing it on TikTok for days. You know, people say, hey, what is this? What is this? And then when it started hitting the public, uh, that's when it became more so political and, and a so-called uh, threat. Now, in regards uh, to Hawaii, uh, that's been happening, you know, like I said, again, you know, for the, for, the, for the longest. In regards to the balloon that when you said it was intended, you know, for ha Hawaii, in regards to that balloon, if you think about the jet stream, think about this for a moment. When, we, when it first was uh, seen over Montana, we started predicting where it was going to go. Why? Because of the fact it was following the jet stream as though, you know, China had lost control of it. It was following the jet stream. That's how we knew it was, it, where it was going. The other part I would tell you, I don't see no war no time soon. Think about this for a moment and just from your knowledge and, and, and how you follow this. We are too economically tied to China. All our goods and services, guess where they come from, as you know, from China. And so, you know, we're going to do everything we can to prevent war. Now, as far as uh, China, you know, going over and visit with Russia, I mean, you have to have coalition building. You know, Russia needs China's help. Uh, uh, China needs Russia's help uh, in regards, you know, to, you know, dealing with the United Nations with regards to Taiwan and then the Spratly Islands and so forth. And so right now between Russia and China, which I predicted years ago, it's just coalition building to counter, really be quite frank with you, our hegemony. And, uh, and, that, and that's what's going on there. I don't see, you know, where all of a sudden, you know, bombs are going to start dropping, you know, here real soon. Between us and China, the only thing that I can see that will start to work out, China is traditionally and normally uh, non-interventionalist. And so now if we start interfering with, you know, the Taiwan uh, uh, independency, then, yeah, that could be war. But I think we're, we're a long way away from that right now, though. I don't know if you saw this or not. They didn't say who, but allegedly a Pentagon official is talking about going over and visiting, um, you know, Taiwan. And that's gotten China's attention. Thirdly, we're just too tied economically for war with China, and they don't want war, and we don't want war. And then finally, the thing that's going to trigger war between us and China will be us interfering with Taiwan or Taiwan declaring their independence, and then all of a sudden we're supporting that. As you remember, China was very apologetic in the beginning, you know, about the balloon. And then all of a sudden, when we started our rhetoric, that, no, here's what I will tell you. The Cold War never ended. 
now it's become a versus a cold war. It's actual war right now. And yes, you know, it's funny you should say that. I thought about, you know, writing off it. We are truly in World War Three right now. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, NATO is involved. You know, Russia's involved. China's are becoming closer. But the, right now, and I worry about that slippery slope. That's why, that's why right. I say that, because right now, Ukraine, they're providing the troops, but we're providing everything else, the West. Mm. And, uh, and so, you know, we've gone past the Cold War. Maybe between Russia and the U.S. is still cold, but there's an active war going on, and we are participants. The only right. thing we're not doing right now, we're not providing troops. And we don't know that to be the fact. We don't know what's happening in the black world, the black world meaning, you know, um, top secret uh, special forces and so forth. That's just me, you know, speculation and assumption again. Retired Command Chief Master Sergeant Dennis Fritz. Author James Bradley has penned several bestsellers on Asia, including The China Mirage and Flags of Our Fathers. He says the surveillance balloon served as a provocation by the United States. The military can't tell us what the balloons are. They're spending a million dollars to shoot down hobby club balloonists, supposedly. And the whole thing is to cover up uh, the largest act of industrial terrorism in the history of the world. Seymour Hirsch, my good buddy, wrote the article on who blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. That's an act of war. It's an act of industrial terrorism. It's the worst release of carbon in the history of the world. And balloons are scaring Americans. America just added nine new bases to the 300 bases it has surrounding China. And Americans are scared of balloons. They got to unplug their TVs and, and look at things realistically. If you want a free press, go to China and you can see Chernobyl 2.0 about East Palestine. Do you think that the fact that the industrial base of America is located in China ensures the world from the type of conflict that happened you know, between Japan and the United States you know, 75 years ago? In World War One, there was a uh, before World War One, there was a famous speech in London that we'll never go to war again because we're too economically integrated. John Lander, last name Lander, is a former diplomat for Australia, and he just gave a huge speech. And this is the first line: America is not preparing for war with China. America is preparing Australia for war with China. And he says the Australians are going to be the Ukrainians. Australia, World War II, for example, was way more on the front lines than people realized it was feared that it would be invaded. Yeah, the Japanese did bomb it, but China is not going to bomb Australia. <laughs> Look at the record. Why is the U.S. acting this way? There's a five-star general far ahead of me. He served two terms as president, and he told the American people what was going to happen unless they wake up. The next president got shot. And we went to war. General of the Army, Dwight D. Eisenhower, said, you got to watch out for these scientific and military guys. They're going to take everything over. And the economy is going to be based on producing weapons. It's the military-industrial so complex you're saying is, is generating war to make business. Of course. And they have the media. And so they have to scare Hawaiians about China and Russia. It's been going on. I was born in 1954. Senator Joe McCarthy, he lived a couple hundred miles away from me, and it's the same thing. Russia, 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 China, China, China. 
So the Navy needs China and the Army needs Russia. And there's no peace colleges in the United States, but there's a lot of war colleges. There was actually an interesting protest today in Washington, or maybe six, seven hundred people showed up, um, uniting the right and the left together in an anti-war movement. Ron Paul and Medea Benjamin in the same lineup. I'd recommend listen to the Liberty Report by Ron Paul every day on YouTube, and and start doing it his way. We need to retreat. We don't need more bases. We need more help out in Ohio at Chernobyl 2.0. Let's build our infrastructure instead of putting it overseas and allowing the neocons to skim 10% off the top. All right. Anything like that? I'm rooting for America. I want a peaceful America with a great infrastructure, but it's not going to keep happening if we're flying basketball courts all around the world to put in bases. We've got almost 1,000 bases around the world. China has a couple bases in the sand and one in Africa. It's ridiculous. Stop spending the money overseas. Let's put it in our own pockets. Say no to the neocons. Let's tamp down this warlike posture and stop scaring the American people into war. James Bradley has written several bestsellers on Asia, including The China Mirage and Flags of Our Fathers. And here in the United States, the Lincoln Memorial was the site of a rally by hundreds protesting what they call America's war machine. The anti-war rally was aimed at U.S. financial support for Ukraine's war. Code Pink, an anti-war activist group confronted Biden on Saturday at a restaurant in Washington, D.C., calling on Biden to seek peace as he was having dinner. President Biden, I hate to bother you. We need to end this war in Ukraine. We need to push the negotiations. I hate to bother you, but people are dying. And we need to end and lift the blockade in Cuba. Please take Cuba off the Please, please. He's just trying to have a dinner. I hate to bother you. I'll happily leave. But I hope that we push for peace talks and negotiations and take Cuba off the state sanctioned terrorist Code Pink was not an official endorser of the rally because of differences with one of the speakers. The protest was unique in that it brought together leftists and conservative libertarians in opposition to supporting the war. Medea Benjamin of Code Pink was an unofficial participant in the rally. This was a very unusual anti-war rally because it brought people together across ideological divisions. And there was a lot of controversy around it with some groups like Code Pink, Veterans for Peace, deciding they wouldn't endorse it. But other groups on the left, such as World Beyond War, endorsed. And there were speakers from the left, like Dennis Kucinich, Anne Wright, David Swanson, Jill Stein from the Green Party, and there were groups, from, quite a number of groups from the Libertarian Party, including Ron Paul, who used to be a congressperson, also the former congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, a lot of people like Scott Horton from the antiwar.com, a libertarian. There were controversial speakers like Jackson Hinkle, who has said things that people in Code Pink were very upset about, and that was one of the reasons they didn't want me to speak. There was the comedian Jimmy Dore, who has quite a following, with a really wide variety of people. What was the this joint demand? What brought these disparate groups together? 
It was the war in Ukraine, and it was very um, amazing to see people speaking from many different angles about why it was so important to bring people together in this kind of a big tent. You had people talking about the threat of nuclear war, the threat of a wider World War III, what a danger NATO is to the region as well as the world, because many people brought up China. There was a lot of talk about the two parties being hawk parties and how almost all of the Congress people were in favor of an endless stream of weapons. You had people who were putting it in the context of, you lied to us about Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Somalia, etc. Why should we believe you around Ukraine? That was a theme that we saw among the people with their homemade signs and then just talking to people. A lot of cynicism about the government and recognizing that while Russia was the immediate aggressor last year, the U.S. played a very negative role in setting the context for this war, in poking Russia, in really baiting Russia into this invasion by not complying with agreements that had been made from the time of the breakup of the Soviet Union to the Minsk Accords in 2015 to the attempts to come to an agreement a month after the war started that were torpedoed by the West. Do you think something uh, permanent is going to come from this? The Rage Against the War Machine says that they're going to keep going. My role is organizing a lobby day on Tuesday when we're going to take this message to Congress to the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and to the Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries, and then we're going to all of the members of the House Armed Services Committee. So that should be a great opportunity for people to let their Congress people know just exactly how they feel and how Congress is not representing the will of the American people, who showed in the recent AP poll that only 48% want to continue sending weapons to Ukraine. You have people from both sides in your coalition, so you can approach Kevin McCarthy or Hakeem Jeffries on the same day and not be laughed out of the, either of their offices. Well, we might be laughed out of both of their offices because they're both supporting this war, even though Kevin McCarthy talked about no blank check. But once he got into power, he's been backtracking about that. It's not just the coalition, it's the political situation where the only ones speaking out about this blank check are the ones on the extreme right. Anybody who told us in the past, oh, I'm not going to lobby my congressperson because he's so right wing, it's not worth it. Well, (laughs) it's worth it this time around. You might have more luck with a right wing congressperson than you will with a progressive Democrat. Former Representative Tulsi Gabbard, known for her independence, joined Ron Paul and other well-known conservatives. Gabbard says a desperate situation demands unity. The only way we can stop them is when we stand together and lift our voices in unity, telling them, no, we will not let you destroy us. We will not let you destroy our loved ones, our communities, our country, here in the United States and around the world. And a participant in the rally is investigative reporter Joe Calhoun. 
He says the invasion of Ukraine was illegal, but the continuing war is worse. There's an issue of of basic decent humanity going on among the people. A moral issue of uh, stopping war and genocide. And it's united the right and the left. I thought it very strange to see, well, not only Russian flags, but to see basically the old flags of the Soviet Union out of the rally. The uh, theme was, Jimmy Dore kind of laid it out, we don't care if you're LGBT, we don't care if you're you're communist, we don't care if you're Republican, conservative. What we care about is we can fight on another day. We need to stop this war and genocide going on in this machine. It was called the Rage Against the War Machine and kind of echoes the... Uh, a short speech by Mario Savio about putting your body upon the gears, upon the wheel, upon all the apparatus and making the machine stop. And unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. And that's the kind of demeanor I got out of the rally. Another participant was Zool, a well-known anti-war activist in New York. He says the rally was shunned by several prominent left-wing groups because of the libertarian participation. But Zool adds a coalition is necessary to stop the war. The National Board of Code Pink and the National Board of Veterans of Peace refused to endorse it, and yet they said, if you want to go, do go. So uh, Medea Benjamin, the founder of Code Pink, is here in any case, so she won't speak. Um, but we have a wide range of people here. It was called by the young chair of the Libertarian Party and the young chair of the People's Party, a fairly recent progressive group. Why do we but, have to always but, stick to socialism? There's other progressive views out there. Yeah. On that very point, Paul, I just said hello to Chris Hedges. In his last two pieces, which come out on his Substack page on Sundays, he explains woke politics and identity politics. And this is what has so siloed the left. This was the reasoning behind the Rising Together Coalition to bring all of the different groups together. So what are you calling for at this uh, rally in Washington, D.C., on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial? The rally is called Rage Against the War Machine. Many of of us who heard that first said, oh, we can get behind that. We don't care that there are folks that we don't particularly care for in the Libertarians or this little People's Party. We were really thrilled to be a part of this. No one would ever go to a Thanksgiving dinner if they couldn't sit with their Uncle Joe, has a totally different view of the world. The ten points were very clear, too. And they range from the very basic, no more weapons for Ukraine, decrease the Pentagon budget, diplomacy rather than militarism, and the very last one, number ten, was free Julian Assange. We were on board, despite all the controversy that began and the horrible bickering and finger-pointing, I must say, particularly on the more ideological left, of which we have many groups. The Workers' World Party, the RCP, these type of groups don't like this. Yeah, shortly after, answer, my friend Brian Becker called the demo in remembrance of the 20th anniversary of shock and awe in Iraq from March 18th, but refused to join us today. So a lot of people are endorsing that who refuse to endorse this thing. We're going to have a hard time um, bringing people together, but we'll only do that if we're willing to listen 
to one another, or at the very least, gather together in the same public space at the same time under a very broad anti-war message. That's what's uniting people who have different ideological backgrounds, their opposition to the war in Ukraine. Much broader all people who believe very, very strongly in the right to publish in Julian Assange. There are people here who are right-wing supporters of Julian Assange. A lot of people on the left may not be aware that that's a very significant group. There are many, many people here who also would call themselves right or conservative, libertarian, Republican, who do believe we need to move toward diplomacy and fund that level of work rather than ongoing, ongoing militarization. And comedian Jimmy Dore gave a memorable speech highlighting the misspent billions funding the war. I have a list of things we could have bought with that $100 billion instead of spend, sending it to Ukraine for killing people. For $100 million, we could have the entire cast of Shark Tank dropped into an actual Shark Tank. <laughs> we can pay for 90 Alex Jones lawsuits. We can remake the Marvel Avengers movie with the entire original cast, but as a porno. With the money we sent to Ukraine, we can hire an entirely separate new police force to protect us from the current police force. And that's the news for Tuesday morning, February 21st, 2023. The news is produced by this reporter. You can follow the news at pauldurienzo.com. From New York City, I'm Paul Durienzo. Thanks for listening.